Okay. Um, Well, praise the Lord. I think uh, you should be able to hear me now. So in the studio world, this is what we will call take two. Might get me one of those little chop-chop screens and uh, we'll just go with that. But again, thank you for, very much for joining with us this morning. We're excited about what God is doing um, as we're uh, transitioning and moving from place to place. We're thankful for this opportunity to still reach out to you and share with you the truth of, of God's word. I wanted to talk to you this morning uh, briefly from uh, the idea of the power of your belief. Belief is so vitally important to uh, each and every one of us. It's what drives us. It, it pushes us. And there's something that's very important connected with belief that's so important that uh, we who believe in Christ are called believers. But what does that really truly mean? Well, I want to talk to you over the next few weeks about the tag that we've been given as Christians, believers. That's what they refer to us. And oftentimes when people refer to us as believers, they don't tell you necessarily what it is you believe in. And that every believer or every Christian that's referred to as a believer even believes the same thing. And it's important that we kind of talk about that. And um, but we're referred to as being believers. But what, what at the core does this really mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for you? What does it mean for people who don't believe like us, who believe differently? Uh, how does it help us? It, it's really uh, important when you, been, when you begin to think about belief um, or anything that's connected to your life, how does this really benefit you? How does it uh, prosper you? How does it uh, get you from day to day or moment uh, for a moment. What is it that we even believe in? What is our belief? Is our belief enough all by itself? Or is there something else that we should really be looking for connected to our belief system? Believing in and of itself is just not enough. But what you believe in becomes everything. If you believe in the wrong thing, then that wrong thing will empower you to do no good thing because your belief is based upon something that is nothing. So then it becomes the power of believing what is right and true that truly matters and enables you, me, and anyone to change. And at the core of who we are, we are always, even though they say change is the one thing we resist the most, while at the same time we hate the way things are, so we hate the way things are, and change is the one thing we resist to do, but it's the one thing that's necessary, that it's the one thing that we end up doing anyway. 
we resist it, we fight against it, while at the same time we desire change because change um, moves us from circumstance to circumstance, from situation to situation, from lifestyle to lifestyle, from uh, all the different things that connect to our human existence. So since it, you know, it, it's the power of believing that causes us to change, what you believe in is more important than how you believe in it. And I, I want to kind of fast track uh, some, you know, uh, learning experience as much as I can. So I'm going to divide this up into uh, seven biblical principles. Okay, these will be seven biblical principles that you'll be able to follow each and every day of your life that will cause change to come into your life and propel you towards the greatest abundance you've ever experienced. My desire is that by the end of this, your minds will become calibrated in such a manner that you will create for yourself new biblical-based habits that will lead you to right believing, which will cause you to enjoy right living. Amen. Now, if you, have, if you have a moment, grab a pen real quick. Um, when you come to, to uh, hear me teach or, or to preach, sometimes I get passionate and get loud, and uh, sometimes I just try to teach, but you should be ready for e either or, whether you're going to jump about your chair and, and run around with me, or you're going to just sit down and take some notes. But I want you to, to write down these seven principles, and over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to talk about these seven principles. Uh, Number one is believing in God's love for you. This is uh, a biblical-based principle that um, as I release this information into your life and you apply it to your life, it will cause a change in your life. So number one is believing in God's love for you. The second principle that we will talk about is seeing what God sees. This is so vitally important. Our, our sight is so um, backwards at times. We, we don't see things the way we should. Uh, amen. And we need to learn to see things the way God sees them. Uh, the third principle we're going to talk about is receiving God's complete forgiveness. Some of us are just carrying uh, the weight of things that God has already released us from. We, we say that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ because that's what God's word says. But if you talk to some believers, you'll find that they're carrying the weight of guilt and condemnation from things that they've experienced and things that they've done and things that they've said and, and even things that are very recent in their life after conversion that they're still struggling with and they carry that. And I want you to understand uh, this uh, you know, amazing principle about receiving God's complete forgiveness. Amen. As a matter of fact, you ought to look at your neighbor and, and just tell your neighbor, I am forgiven. Thank you, studio audience. You can't see it, but there's a sign up over my head that says I am forgiven, and they repeated it. No, there's not. I'm just playing. Now, number four, the fourth principle is being victorious in the battle over your mind. Being victorious in the battle over your mind. Every believer is uh, under an onslaught of attack 
from a myriad of different directions and places that are trying to gain control or have influence over your mind. It is in the mind that the believer wages war that the outward things that we may see our brothers and sisters do or say or feel or experience is a direct reflection of what is the war that's raging in their mind. And I want to talk to you and give you a powerful principle about being victorious in the battle over your mind. How many principles is that so far? Four. Four. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Number five is going to be be free from self-occupation. Be free from self-occupation. Number six will be having confidence in an expectation of good. Having confidence in an expectation of good. We oftentimes hope for something good to happen, but if you ask somebody or if something um, negative or different from what we hope for happens, what do you hear people say most commonly? I knew that was going to happen. I, 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 I just knew that. In essence, I believed that something negative or opposite of what I desired was going to be the result. And people don't even realize is that uh, attitude or that mental uh, belief introduces power uh, that causes things in your life to flow in the direction in which you believe. This is how powerful your belief is. So we're going to talk about and I'm going to teach you about having confidence in an expectation of good. And then finally, the seventh principle, this is a biblical principle that you have to apply to your life that you'll be able to begin to enjoy the abundant life that the word of God talks about is finding rest in God's love. Finding rest in God's love. Oftentimes we are wearing ourselves out trying to get approval from God. And God is trying to tell us, I already love you. You don't have to work for my approval. When you were working for me not to approve you, I already approved of you and sent my son to die for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord God Almighty. How awesome is God? I don't even have to work for his love. He loves me simply because that's who he is. Now, we have to understand and accept the fact that God intended for you to live with joy overflowing, peace that surpasses understanding, and an unshakable confidence in what it is that he has done for you. This is what God desires for you. This is why we are in relationship with God. This is why we have a relational standing with God. Just like we have relationships with people here on the earth, and I'm not talking about the bad relationships, I'm talking about the good relationships that we have with our family, our friends, those that we love. Our desire for them is typically always good. I know that there will be some family members you wish that something would fall on their head, but we'll continue to pray for you, and you continue to pray for me, amen? But the idea is that in most cases, we desire good for those that we love and our family members and things of that nature. But how much greater is the love for God and the desire for God for us to live the abundant life? It's so powerful 
that he's going to release to us these principles that will allow you to do just that thing. Amen. This is the time now. I know we're living in a very pessimistic uh, season of life with everything that's going on. Crime is on the rise. Uh, you know, we still have pestilence in the land. COVID's running rampant still. Uh, we're all just waiting for the news to drop to the next number or letter uh, or whatever it is they're going to call the next version or uh, change in COVID, you know, uh, from Delta to Omicron to whatever the next Greek letter is. Uh, you know, we're just waiting for it to happen. And then uh, there's uh, this is one of the craziest things that we found is that during this season of COVID, it forced everybody because they shut everything down and locked everyone into their homes. Most people found out that having a job or having some other place to be was very healthy for them. And when they when they got locked into the house with just, you know, the people that they're supposed to love and spend their lives with, uh, divorce has gone on the on the rise and the family disputes have gone on the rise. And there's been a breakdown of the family structure because people weren't typically used to spending all day and all night with each other. Praise God. I'm so thankful that uh, my wife didn't kick me out, but she loved me. Oh, wait a second. I still had to go to work. Well, we'll just believe God that the love is genuine and true. And if I was here 24-7, she'd still be happy with me. But now we have to have this, this time uh, or this season where we stop living in defeat and we charge into life with full victory. The victory that Jesus has already secured for us. We need to run into the battle with the mentality, I've already won. We already possess victory. We already possess security. We already possess success. We've spent far too much time only dealing with the symptoms of our struggle, the symptoms and the effects of our guilt, of our fear, and even our addictions. Yes, I know this may come as a shock to you, but sometimes believers have addictions. As a matter of fact, if you pause a minute, I'm going to take a sip of one of my addictions. Well, mm -mm -mm, that's a good cup of coffee. Matter of fact, coming soon will be coffee with the bishop. You'll hear about that later. But we, we are dealing with some addictions in life. Now, we have to understand that uh, with everything that we endure in life, if everything is for a purpose, because we as the believers, God doesn't waste anything on us. So everything that we go through, even if it's something that God had originally uh, intended for us or because of our own disobedience or rebellion, we put ourselves in situations that God had never intended for us uh, to be in. And his steps that he ordered for us are not the ones we walked in. So we had to endure some things. God still works those things out together for our what? Good. good. There goes another sign lighted up over my head. Amen. He works it out for our good. Why? Because God is maturing you so that you can go after the root system. And if you can change what the root system is, which is your belief or what you believe, then you can change your life. This is the power uh, that right belief brings into existence in your life. So let's talk about this first principle, this first biblical principle that I want to touch on today. And I hope I have enough time to really get into this like I want. But uh, that first biblical principle is believing in God's love for you. 
One of the things that we learn um, in, when you're in relationship is believing in the love that someone says that they have for you. Having faith and confidence in that love. Because what you're saying when you say, I believe in the love that you have for me, is I believe in you. In other words, I believe that you will produce everything that love is supposed to produce. So when we say that we believe in the love that God has for us, it opens our minds and it allows us to tap into all of the things love brings into your relationship with him. What you believe is so powerful because it can change what you believe, then you can change everything in your life. We spend an enormous amount of time trying to control our behavior and our actions. Many of us, this is what we've been taught. You've been taught since a little child to control your behavior. But once we come to the knowledge of Christ in our lives, we need to begin to emulate Christ's behaviors. And unfortunately, the truth for many of us is that we do try only to find ourselves incapable of ever enjoying any lasting change. And we end up beaten, battered, and defeated with our uh, morale crushed and our confidence shattered, trapped by guilt and shame all over again, uh, filled with fears and addictions that simply refuse to leave us alone or to, to depart from us. And even when we get back up and get back into the fight and seemingly begin to gain ground, our enemy begins to whisper in our ears, who do you think you are? Have you forgotten all those mistakes that you've made? Things will never get better for you. You should stop wasting time fighting and just accept your lot in life. Accept your trouble. Everything that you've got going on, it's not going to work. You are just going to continue to fail because that's who you are, a failure. Nobody loves you. You are alone. Where is your God now? Where are your loved ones? Where is your church these are the things that you begin to hear and to think and to believe in your heart and in your mind, and it begins to have an effect on you. I've seen people fall for this tactic of the enemy, and we're supposed to know the strategies and the devices and the schemes of the enemy, and this is one of his main ones. But if you really begin to examine your life, uh, you'll, you, you'll begin maybe to see that you're, uh, you know, you might see that you're one of these people that you've been thinking this way and you've been feeling this way and you've heard these types of uh, thoughts and been influenced uh, in this way. Uh, but have you started to believe? This is the key. Have you started to believe in the, uh, the lies that the enemy is whispering in your ears? Lies about your identity, about your destiny. When you begin to accept this as truth for you, you subject yourself to the power of wrong believing. And because you are believing wrong, you will experience wrong things or simply things that God did not intend for you to experience because you're you're buying into the propaganda of the enemy. He's telling you things. Matter of fact, we're in the middle of a conflict. Um, uh, actually, it's just an invasion. One country invading another. Uh, there that country was, minding its own business. And here this other country comes and just decides, well, I want to invade that country. It's no different than what the enemy is trying to do to you. He's trying to invade your thought life 
so that he can change your culture. He can change your mentality. He can change then at the root of who you are, your core belief system, which will then change your behavior, your attitude about yourself, the, how high you think you'll be able to rise. This is what he's after. And it produces these wrong things in your life because you're believing wrong. And this kind of believing imprisons you and causes you to behave like you're uh, incarcerated in a maximum security prison. And you continuously go back to your dark cell of defeatism and you wallow in the dungeon of destructive behaviors. You this is why believers commit suicide because they're wallowing in dark places in a place of defeatism and, 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 and it leads to destructive behaviors because they've begun to convince themselves and maybe even you are convincing yourself to stop dreaming of a better place because for you and your life there has been nothing but despair, frustration and defeat. That's all I've experienced. That's all I know. That must be all all that God has for me. God just wants me to suffer. That, that, that's, my, that's my course in life is just to suffer. This is what the enemy wants you to believe. And too many of uh, our brothers and sisters are believing this very thing. They're believing that uh, you know, God has no uh, good thing for them. So let me ask you this question. How many of you are in prison right now? How many of you recognize that you might be the one that's incarcerated, yet, uh, but you are uh, in the transport wagon on your way to the prison house? You just haven't arrived yet, but you know you're looking around, you're in that van, you're in that bus, you see the bars on the window, you see the person driving is in a uniform that's got patches on the sleeves and billy club on their hip and a gun on their hip, and you know you're going in the place that you don't want to go. You know that that symbolizes imprisonment, and this is where you feel like. You may not be in the actual jailhouse, but you feel like you're on your way uh, to the jail. This, you're on that prison ride. Now, for some of you who may be living this hellish nightmare, only the illumination of God's light and God's love can lead you to the path of your freedom. And that light is changing what you are believing so that you can believe what is right. And only that which is of God is right. Only what God wants for you is right. So what, what we are talking about is not... Uh, some self-help thing, uh, uh, the, the attitude that, oh, everything's going to work out, everything's going to be all right, so long as you have that positive mental ascension or have that positive thinking thing going on. This is not about human physiology. This is not about some psycho mumbo-jumbo. This has everything to do with your belief being birthed from your intimate relationship with God and a loving Savior who played down his life so that you could be freed from the power of darkness and liberated to live in the illumination of the light of the word, which the Bible declares in Psalm 119, 105, the, uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. To my path. Now the Message Bible really captures the essence of what God is wanting you to see here, and that it, 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 it says it like this in the Message Bible: 
by your words, I can see where I am going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. Now, how awesome is that? We do not have to stay in darkness and feel our way through the light. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark room or, or, or you, you wake up and it's nighttime and it's dark in your room. You don't have any lights on and you're trying to feel your way over to the light switch or so that you can turn something on so that you kind of light your path. The word of God is the light to your path. And God wants to illuminate the path of your life and he doesn't want to illuminate it tomorrow. He wants to illuminate it today. Yes, believers of Christ, you are the true Illuminati, the ones that have been or received the light of God's truth. Ah, hallelujah. It doesn't matter what uh, insurmountable thing that you are uh, you know, now dealing with or have been struggling with. When you change what you're believing and start believing what God's word is saying about you, about your circumstance, about your crisis, about your life, about your health, about your well-being, about your financial status, about your, eco, uh, your economical status, your uh, psychological status, when you start believing what the Word of God is saying, you will not see change happen, you know, in the future. You will see immediate and uh, abrupt shift and a, a quick turning around of things in your life for good when you start believing in that. The, the limitation that you have felt in reaching your breakthrough can be reached today in a supernatural instant. Let me say it again, because that right there, sign over here, praise break. The, the limitation you have felt in reaching your breakthrough can be reached today in a supernatural instant. I have complete faith in God's word. And I believe that when we allow Jesus' entry and access to our lives, everything changes as a, as a direct result. Everything that's not like God changes in an instant. When I think about this, it reminds me uh, of the, the, the children's story of the engine that could. A little train that needed to traverse a very challenging track. And once that little engine began to think right and believe right about himself uh, uh, or herself, depending on what version of the story you read, he was able or she was able to face every challenge that the track brought and reach uh, their destiny. Whether it was going up a hill or, or challenging S-curve or whatever it had to overcome to get to its destiny. In the beginning, it wasn't sure if it was going to make it. It didn't know if it had enough might to pull its load. But by the time it started believing in itself, it gained power, it was able to move, and it was able to get to its, to its destiny. Saints of God, I'm here to tell you today, when you start believing right about God and you start receiving the love that God has for you, you will see instamatic change. It's just like the old instamatic cameras. You know, now uh, they got the, the, the camera phone that everything is instant. But before the camera phone, you took a picture, you either had an instamatic or you had a 35 millimeter or, or some of the other types of film that had to be processed before you could get your picture. But the instamatic was like the, all the rave because as soon as you took the picture, you shook the little thing, you know, shook it, got that wind on it, and all of a sudden, 
You saw, you saw the picture uh, appear on the page. Maybe what God is trying to do is shake you. I believe the word of God says that there's a shaking coming and only that which is unshakable shall remain. Every once in a while, I got to tell God, shake me, Lord, shake me. So all the stuff that's not like you falls off and only that which is like you remains. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we have to begin to allow our minds to fuel our action. But you, uh, when your mind fuels your action, you have to make sure that the fuel of your mind is the right fuel. When you think, of, when you think right and you believe right, you're releasing high-octane fuel into your being, which will empower you to break through barriers, overcome obstacles, live victoriously. But when you use that low-octane fuel, you run out of energy, you fall short because that fuel was birthed by the wrong believing. You, you, you don't get to enjoy uh, you know, your destiny or what God intended for you. So if you've got, let me, let me just bring it that like it is. Right now, our gas prices are like $700 a gallon. It's, it's so bad, people want to ride horses. If you look at TikTok, that's what you'll see. Everyone wants to ride a horse because a horse don't take no fuel. Praise the Lord, because gas is just that expensive. But people that are still driving cars that have cars that require the higher octane to cause it to run right, to, to you know, cut some corners and to shave some pennies, what are they doing? They're putting low octane fuel. Their car calls for 93, but they're putting 87 in it. And they're finding that as they're doing that, the car isn't running well. It doesn't get as, as good gas mileage as it once did. It doesn't have the power that it once had. It doesn't go as far as it once did because it's starting to receive the wrong fuel. People of God, hear me. When you allow the wrong fuel to enter your thought life, you will experience you um, not being able to do what you used to do, not being able to accomplish what you used to accomplish in, in the name of Christ. You'll be you'll you'll find yourself falling short because you're filling yourself with the wrong thing and it's causing you to believe the wrong way. I want you to understand this clearly. And for all of us uh, to be honest with ourselves, we, we have to ensure that we're thinking right. Stop lying to yourself. We have all have some measure of wrong thinking. So let me just, let me just uh, put that out there right now. All of us, that includes me, myself, and I, all three of us, we had a meeting and we found out that all three of us don't think right all the time. Maybe you need to have a meeting with yourself. The, the psychologist will tell you that it's okay to talk to yourself. You just can't answer your own question because that's when you're crazy. So just pull yourself together and start talking to yourself and you'll find that all of yous do not necessarily believe right. We all have some wrong thinking or some measure of wrong thinking. And, and I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, uh, you know, Bishop, you must have me mixed up with somebody else. Well, ask yourself this question. Have you ever or all Often felt anxious or worried or fearful that the worst thing was going to happen to you or to your loved ones. Did let me just put it to you this way: Did some of you, when uh, 
COVID first hit, bury yourself in a bunker and no one even knew you were still living because you didn't even want to answer the phone because you were afraid COVID might come through that telephone line and get you. So you didn't even answer the phone. You was like, look, I'm staying away. I'm giving you a physical a distancing and a digital distancing. Amen. Well, this type of thought process is merely a red flag that indicates what we're truly believing about ourselves, about our lives, and God at the precise moment that we're thinking. When we live in fear or we live in worry all the time, we are actually questioning the legitimacy and the validity of our belief that we have a strong and able shepherd who loves us, who is with us, who will lead us into good places, who watches over us and protects us. When you examine yourself and find this to be your default position, a position of worry, a position of fear, a position of sorrow, a, a, a position of defeatism, when you examine yourself and find that this is your default position, then the way to shift your default position to a new place is by hearing and learning how precious you are in the sight of God and how much God loves you, yes, I said you. Let me point at you. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, yeah, you right there. I'm talking to you. God loves you. He's, oh man, he loves you in a way that we can't even fully comprehend. And when your belief shifts to this truth, the, the more this truth takes hold in your mentality, the more it will change your thinking. And when your thinking changes, you will find that you become less vulnerable to unhealthy emotions. And then you will enjoy less unhealthy behaviors. To be truthful, all of us need our hearts completely exposed to the truth of God's love so the corrupt things that are in there can be removed. David asked God to create in him what? A clean heart. Thank you, Deacon. A clean heart. And to renew a right spirit within him. You see, our wrong beliefs can only be defeated by Jesus through uh, being exposed to his grace and the truth of his word, which his word is the written form of his love. It tells us, he spells out for us exactly what we need to do to enjoy the best life we've ever had. John 8 and 32 says this, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Knowing the truth makes you free. How many of you have heard this or even quoted this to yourself or anyone else? It's often quoted, but what in the uh, ham sandwich does it really mean? Thank you there, uh, uh, Elder Page. What is the truth that sets you free? I want you to hear what Jesus said to the Jews of his day. These were people who from uh, adolescence grew up studying the law of God, yet these people still battled with fears, anxieties, sicknesses, and all kinds of oppressions, bondages, and addictions. So what then did Jesus want these people and you and I today to hear and to know for ourselves? Well, I can tell you for sure it was not the law because they knew the law inside and out. 
It is not the law that will liberate you. It's not you dotting the I's and crossing the T's that's going to liberate you from all these negative things in your life. Uh, the Jews, they were living this way. They were living uh, it as best they could, but uh, that they, as best that it could be lived, but they still suffered and they could not find freedom. Freedom can only be found in the grace of God when you begin to believe in the grace of God for you. Then and only then will the bondage of your life be broken. When you start to believe, when I started to believe in the love of my wife for me, it liberated me. It freed me. I wasn't walking on eggshells. I didn't feel like if I said the wrong thing, she was going to run out the door. If I, if I did the wrong thing, she was just going to drop me like a hot potato because I, I believed in the love that she has for me. And likewise, she believes in the love that I have for her. She didn't have to walk around, you know, with a shield in her hand because she was worried I might knock her upside the head. You know, these different things. She believed in that love. So she was, she feels and felt safe and secure in that love. Hallelujah. But what I find in, and, and this is really important, oh, I'm running out of time. This is really important, and, and, and you got to hold on to this. Grace is the antidote for a poisoned mind. Grace is the antidote for a poisoned mind. You can call that biblical principle one subparagraph two. Amen. Grace is the antidote for a poisoned mind. Grace is the truth that Jesus came to give us. John 1 and 17 says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So when we examine the original Greek writing, we find that grace and truth are regarded as one item because the following verb came is used in the singular text. So because it's not a plural text, but a singular text, it takes the two items and pulls them together so that they become one. So grace and truth, as we look at them, are not two separate things, but they are the same thing. Grace and truth are one and the same thing. Grace is the truth that has the power to set you free from your fear, from your guilt, and from your addictions. John 8 and 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It is the truth of grace and not the truth of the law that brings you to true freedom. The truth of the law only binds you. It keeps you in constant fear. It keeps you locked in guilt and condemnation, which fills you with anxiety. But I have got some great news to tell you today. Grace came to free you from the curse of the law. Men have turned grace into a doctrine or a theology, but grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a theology. Grace is none of these things. Grace is the embodiment of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is talking about grace, he's talking about himself. When grace uh, is, is being talked about, it's really referring to Jesus. Grace is not a 
thing. Grace is a person. Grace is Jesus himself. You don't believe me? John 1 and 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The truth and only truth with power to blast open the doors of your prison is the grace of God, which is his gift, Jesus, his son, the only begotten of the Father that was given that we might today be redeemed and delivered from the judgment against our sin. His grace is the antidote which counteracts every poisonous thought in your mind. When you taste and see the love of Jesus and the Savior, his loving kindness and his tender mercies, which I heard the word of God say, his tender mercies are new every morning. Pray God I can't run down of his mercy because I know that there are days when I wear his mercy out, but when I wake up by his grace the next day, I got a whole new bucket of mercies waiting for me. Hallelujah. His uh, love and his tender uh, mercies are new every day, and every wrong belief will begin to dissolve into the glory of his love. You have to start today by calibrating your minds to receive the most lavish excessive and superabounding love that God is giving you with gladness by his grace which will shatter your destructive mindset and tear down all of the strongholds that the enemy has erected in your thinking. If you do this, you'll begin to experience liberation from everything that has caused you to fail to this point. You can't process God's grace logically in your mind. It needs to be experienced in your heart because grace is not a thing but grace is a person and when you begin to believe in line with God then you will live in line with God and enjoy the freedom that comes from living in grace and truth I believe that many of us here today need to have a Jesus encounter a Jesus encounter is the only thing that's going to free you supernaturally some of you may be wondering how this can happen while others of you are saying I know Jesus, but I'm still struggling. Where have I missed it? Well, remember what I've taught you in the past. The seed that you sow in your life has to reproduce after its own kind. The power to break through comes from the seed that is planted in you by the grace of God through his word. You must allow the word of God and the love of God to invade your heart and your mind. And to do this, you have to expose yourself to that seed rather than and the seed of the world becoming your ideology. When you allow God's love to saturate your mind, it won't matter what you're going through. His grace will begin to tear down every contrary thing to himself that's in existence in your thought life. This is what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus. Too many of us have had an encounter with church, but we've never had an encounter with Jesus. We've seen the church. We've experienced the church. We've fellowshiped with the church. We have relationship with the church. But many of us have never 
had relationship with Jesus. When Jesus encountered people throughout scripture, they were never the same after their encounter. Captives are made free when they encounter he who holds the key. Listen to what Jesus says about himself in scripture. Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, pre to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So whatever you're dealing with, Jesus came to set you free from it. It could be a debilitating physical condition or you may be entangled with some sort of addiction that has imprisoned you for years. Whatever your condition, however long you've been bound by it, know this. God can set you free in a supernatural instant. God created time and in so doing, he is not bound by what he created. He who in the fraction of a second turned water into the finest aged wine that any man had tasted can by natural processes and accelerate your deliverance from any and every bondage that you face. Amen. Because he is Amen. the grace that has been given unto us. Jesus, the embodiment of everything that God has declared in his word, can live in you when you have an experience with him and change your very life. Hallelujah. I, 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 I wish I had more time, but I'm coming up on the time where I've got to let you go. I've shared a lot with you today about the love of God and how you can apply this love to your life, begin to see things differently, see the effect uh, you know, um, begin to unmanipulate your mind. The world ideology and thinking, the seed that the world is trying to plant in you is trying to manipulate you while the word of God, which is true, is trying to free you from manipulation. Now, if you look at the world, the world will tell you that uh, the word of God is trying to manipulate you when in fact, it's the world that's trying to manipulate you to accept what the world says is right or wrong. We have the foundation of what is true that stands true on its own. It doesn't change from day to day. If you look at things in the world, what was true yesterday may not be true today. But when you look at the word of God, what was true yesterday, what was true 100 years ago, which was true 2,000 years ago, is still true today. Amen. And when you stand on that, your confidence will not be shaken prayerfully by God's grace through the power of Christ the next time we sit down and talk unless I'm talking to you about something else I'm going to hit you with God's truth which triggers your deliverance I'm going to tap into just how this biblical principle will trigger the delivering power of Christ in your life so that you can be free know that I love you I'm praying for you. I believe in the God that sits on the throne who has all power given unto him. I believe what his word says about me. I believe that I'm loved by him, that I'm encapsulated by him, that his love is wrapped around me. I'm in a cocoon of his love. I believe in his power to deliver me from every one of my enemies. I believe that even in this season of transition where it looks like I'm in a desert, I know that there's a promise for me and I'm going to get 
to where God is sending me, I believe it and shall not be swayed from it. No matter what I have to lose in the process, I know my loss is gain. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I've learned both to be uh, to, uh, to be content with having and not having, with being and not being. I've learned because I believe in the God that I serve. Do you believe in the God that you serve? God bless you. You have an anointed, victorious week. I declare it over your life. I prophetically speak power, deliverance, and freedom over your life. I believe that God is dispatching the angelic host to, to bring delivering power, to fight back the forces of darkness, to break the chains that are binding you. I loose the power of God over you that you might walk in a new light, that you might receive and feel the love of God and you come back here next week and we'll talk about this thing and we'll work this thing out we'll walk this thing out we'll, we'll, we'll praise God together because truthfully we have no other thing really but to do but celebrate God because he is he is he is grace and truth have a wonderful week God bless you